Uh, This morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're talking about living the life or a resilient life. And um, somebody asked me last week, how would you define resilience? This was after a service. And so I went back and looked it up again in the dictionary. And resilient means to return to its original shape. So I brought along a little prop this morning because um, if I can get this straight... Uh, this sort of illustrates what I think is resilience. Uh, every t- so often in our lives, we get stretched, right? We get stretched by God. You know, it might be disappointments. It might be frustrations. There might be things going on in our life. But I want you to notice that God kind of stretches with us. But resilient people always seem to be able to bounce back and find their center in God's sovereignty and God's love. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting about resilience, too, is that these things go on in our lives all the time, right? We're being stretched. We Hopefully we bounce back. We're being stretched. We bounce back. And what happens? We're getting stronger, right? And that's life. And that's what Joseph was dealing with in his life, where he was being stretched constantly with various disappointments and adversity. But he kept bouncing back to God, and his attitude was to persevere and hang in there through that whole process. I'm going to stop here before I work a sweat up. But you get the idea, hopefully, about what resilience is all about. So far, we've talked about this in terms of being resilient, that resilient people did not allow the past to dictate the future. We've said that resilient people have convictions in their life before temptations come. You know, we talked about how critical it is for us to be able to have those boundaries set before we're confronted with various temptations and issues in our lives. And we have those boundaries set and those convictions in place. It's so much easier to be able to to draw those lines and to say no or to say yes to those things that are out there in our lives. But thirdly, last week we talked about how resilient people bloom where they're planted. And we found Joseph in prison, finding himself in a mess again, but excelling in that area, becoming the right-hand man to the warden and interpreting dreams, using his gifts. So Joseph was able to bloom where he was planted. This week, we want to talk about how resilient people bounce back from the disappointments in life. Now, Joseph had a lot to be disappointed about. And we're going to just take one verse today, and we're going to kind of jump off of that verse and kind of go off into hopefully a very relevant place in your life. In verse 23 of chapter 40 in Genesis, it says, if you remember, Joseph had interpreted the cupbearer's and the baker's dream, and the cupbearer was able to be restored to his position. And he mentioned to the cupbearer before he left prison, he's saying, remember me when you talk to the Pharaoh. You know, I'd like to get out of this prison deal. Well, in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. One more disappointment in Joseph's life. In fact, in verse 41, it says, when two full years had passed, for two long years, he would have to deal with this disappointing thought that the cupbearer had totally forgotten him. Now, when you think about all the disappointments that Joseph had in his life, you have to go back to the very beginning where we talked about how dysfunctional his family was, how disappointed he maybe was in his dad, or how disappointed he was certainly with his brothers who had betrayed him and who were jealous of him. You know, sometimes those family disappointments are the hardest ones, aren't they? Where you have expectations of the people that you love the most and they disappoint us, whether it's a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a dad or a mother. So Joseph had to deal with that disappointment. And then secondly, he had to just be, deal with the disappointment with his boss. I mean, when he went to work for Potiphar, if you remember, he had all of the freedom to do whatever he wanted to with Potiphar's estate. And then when push came to shove, Potiphar threw, throws him in prison. 
So there was a huge disappointment really in his boss. And I don't know if you've ever been disappointed in your boss. But, but he had that disappointment to deal with in his life. And the lies of, of Potiphar's wife, I mean, to be disappointed with those lies and not being told the truth about him must have been very, very difficult for him to swallow. But thirdly, you see here the disappointment we just read about where he talks to the cupbearer and the cupbearer totally forgets about him for two long years. Those broken promises, those commitments that people make to us that we expect them to fulfill and yet they don't follow through and how disappointing that can be. So we all deal with disappointments. It's a part of life, isn't it? Disappointments come and they go. But this morning I would like to put something in perspective with you. So I'm going to give you a principle here that I think is really important when it comes to disappointment and that is this. Disappointment is often the distance between our expectations and reality. Somebody shared that with me last week and it really stuck with me and it was right on. That disappointment is often the distance between our expectations and reality. I, I re, when I do premarital counseling, one of the things that I always do with a young couple when they come to me because they all have stars in their eyes and they don't listen to your premarital counseling anyways, right? So anyways, uh, during that period of time, what I'll ask them to do is write down at least 25 or 30 expectations they have of their mate for their marriage. And they both look at me with kind of like, you know, deer in the headlights and say, oh, we don't have any expectations. We just get along so good. We just have so much fun together. We talk about everything. I said, give me 30 expectations. So they come back with 30 expectations. And it was really interesting because we come with expectations, don't we? No matter what, written or unwritten, unspoken or spoken. And they write out these expectations, and then I have them sit down with each other before, and they've not heard these expectations before, and the other person is supposed to respond to their expectation with a sweat or no sweat. It's really a fascinating experience. I mean, expectations are there, but we have to understand that disappointment is the distance between those expectations and reality. So the question that I had when I was talking about or thinking about this message in my own life is how do I react when my expectations aren't met? And these are some of the things that I struggle with, and maybe you struggle with them as well. The first one is I just feel awfully deflated. I I feel like the wind comes out of my sails or the the air comes out of my my tires, if you will. It's just like, you know, you have these expectations, and then when you don't follow through, you just feel like, oh, man, how come they can't can't come through for me? And then secondly, sometimes I feel very disrespected. Do you feel that way sometimes when people disappoint you? where you feel like, you know, hey, I've loved you. I've tried to be consistent in your life. I've tried to be a good role model. I've tried to be a good dad or a good husband or a good boss or whatever. And and you don't follow through. I I just feel totally disrespected. Like you don't care about me or you don't care about my position or my, my relationship with you. Sometimes I get angry and cynical. Do you do that? That's one of where I kind of gravitate to is cynicism. You know, you kind of get almost a little bit... Uh, almost sarcastic and cynical about the relationship. And you, you feel like, yeah, man, that just kind of ticks me off. And then there's times where I feel like a little vengeful. I got to admit, you know, where if you didn't meet my expectations, well, then don't expect me to meet yours. You know, I'm not going there if you're not going to meet mine. And we sort of kind of give up on sometimes on the relationship. And then I've also noticed that expectations that aren't met really gets so discouraging And there's days where I get to a point with some people, I don't know about you, where I just feel like, why even expect anything, you know? Forget it. And you just kind of give up on people. Is that the way you respond when 
you're disappointed or when your expectations aren't being met. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, I would say that Joseph seemed to be able to handle those disappointments much better than perhaps maybe you or I would. Was he better able to handle the disappointment because his expectations were more realistic? And, and, and I, we don't know exactly what Joseph was thinking, but I've got to believe that Joseph got perspective when it came to his disappointments. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, should he have expected his brothers to embrace him and honor him and worship him and say, oh, yeah, Joseph, you're the best thing since sliced bread? I mean, would that be an expectation in that environment that he was in, being the favored son and all the jealousy that went around? So in other words, when he was betrayed, it might have uh, softened a little bit from the standpoint, not that it didn't hurt, but the point was is that his expectations were probably realistic, that this is kind of behavior that his brothers were going to do. And then I thought, well, should he be expected Potiphar's, uh, uh, to believe his wife? And, and I would say, well, yeah, probably, of course, to some degree. Even though he had created this trust relationship with Potiphar, it still was his wife. And when his wife lied about him, his wife, his hu- the husband had to defer um, to, to his wife. And what's really fascinating about that, if you, you study, if that would have happened and Potiphar would have totally believed his wife, he would have been executed on the spot. So, so there was probably some doubt with Potiphar when he ended up in prison in, in that life sentence. But thirdly, then should he be expected the cupbearer to remember? And, you know, the cupbearer was probably just, you know, he was just so thrilled that he got his job back and so excited about doing what he was doing and not being impelled on a pole like the poor baker that he probably just, you know, he was so oblivious in his own world, he just totally forgot Joseph for two long years. And I'm sure Joseph looked at it and, and somehow thought, well, you know, you know, he's, he's living the, the good life again and he's probably just forgotten me and, you know, I, I, you know, I guess, you know, I can't expect that much from him. And so it's interesting how sometimes we have expectations of our peers and sometimes they just obviously disappoint us. But I, what I want to say with you is that I think Joseph had it squared away in terms of his disappointments so that he could make sure that his expectations were somewhat realistic and that sort of softens the blow of our disappointment. So the second principle I want to share with you this morning is this. A key to then handling disappointments in a healthy way is to make sure we have realistic expectations. Realistic expectations. So as I shared that principle in my own mind, I was thinking, so the burning question is then, how do we know if our expectations are realistic? How do we know? Well, I think there's a little bit of a grid that we can filter our expectations through that kind of help us to know whether our expectations are on track or not. And here's, a, here's six ways that I think you can kind of do this. And, and there's probably more, but I'm going to give you six this morning. The first one is this. Take into consideration how reliable the person has been in the past. If there's been virtually no reliability, then you need to be careful not to have too many expectations out there because they have a proven track record that they're not terribly reliable. So be careful not to to have your expectations go beyond a lot of their own reliability. Here's the second thought. Try to understand the hardwiring of that individual. You know, we all come with this hardwiring. It's in our genes, you know. It's a part of our DNA. 
And sometimes we expect things out of people. They're just not wired that way. If somebody is, is relational and spontaneous and, and more emotional, you can't necessarily expect them to be uh, strategic and, and, and a planner and, and, and all that. I mean, you've got to really be careful when we look at expectations to understand the individual. It's like with our children. We should be students of our children. I was asked this week, how do you discipline your, your, your children? And I think you need to be a student of every child because everyone's wired a little bit differently. And so you, you have to understand who, how the person is wired. Here's the third thought that I have. What is their level of maturity? I mean, can you expect a three-year-old to be an adult? Can you expect a teenager to be rational? Um, I mean, I, sorry about that. But, I, um, but you know what I'm saying? There's ages and stages in life where people are at different areas and stages in their life, whether it's... Uh, an age issue or whether it's their upbringing or whatever it is, we need to understand their level of maturity and their age and stage in life. Here's number four. Does your expectation ultimately want them to be better or more Christ-like, or is it for you to feel better? Ah. Because sometimes their expectations are a little more narcissistic than we think. Sometimes it's to make us look better or feel better. Why, why do we discipline our children sometimes? Because we don't want them to act up in public, so we look bad, you know? I mean, so there's a, there's sometimes what, what we need to understand is that my desire and expectations should be expecting them to be hopefully more Christ-like. It's not about me. Here's one more thing. What is my hardwiring? We need to know ourselves well enough because sometimes if, if, if we're, so, maybe we're a perfectionist, you know, is any, I don't, there's nobody perfectionist in this room, I'm sure. So, we're, we're, you know, if you can kind of check out right now. But if you're a perfectionist and you carry a high standard for yourself, then chances are you're going to project those expectations on other people. And you can't even measure up to your expectations. How do you expect them to measure up to your, to your expectations? You know what I'm saying? So we need to understand how we're put together, how her, we're, we're wired. And then finally, this is an interesting one, is that are they a Christian or are not they a Christian? I mean, how many times have you been disappointed by Christians in your life? But the point is, is that when I go to the police department and I'm working alongside guys that don't have any clue sometimes about who God is, my expectations are different of those guys in the way they react or respond than it would be from a Christian. So it's kind of sorting those things out and filtering some of these expectations through that grid in order for us to understand whether our expectations are on target or not. So it's really, really important. So now once you've discerned that your expectations are not unreasonable or selfish, then, then how do I handle those disappointments then? How do I do it in a way that's really honoring to God? Well, I have a third principle that I want to share with you. And that is, we must respond to all disappointments with truth and love. Respond all disappointments with truth and love. Now, let me try to explain this as best that I can. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We need to be honest sometimes with the person who has disappointed us when we've been hurt. We need to oftentimes go to that person. Now, it might be more difficult for you in a situation where it's a boss. You say, boy, you're a total disappointment to me, boss. And he says, so are you. You're fired, you know. Um, so we need to be careful, but we need to be discerning that oftentimes we need to be honest and tell that person that we've been disappointed. 
For one reason is this, is that when we've been hurt, if we stuff that hurt, we stuff that disappointment, and we don't let that person know, sometimes that hurt builds up if we don't confess it or forgive it, and it ends up creating a root of bitterness in our life. So it's critical that we're honest not only with that person, but also, too, that we are honest with ourselves. And this first popped up in my head again in Ephesians 4.15, where it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And I thought, does that principle apply to me personally in the sense that I can speak the truth to love to other people, but am I speaking the truth in love to myself? Have you ever, ever, do you struggle with that sometimes? I know I do. Am I really being honest with myself in love? Or am I hard on myself? Or am I in denial? Am I not really understanding what really God's trying to do in my life? And so it's critical that I need to understand what God's doing. And if I've been deflated or I've been hurt or I've been disrespected, it's really important for me to understand where I'm coming from. If I become bitter or angry or cynical or selfish about the disappointment, maybe I need to do some repenting, right? If I'm not handling that disappointment well and I'm being honest with myself, I know I had to do that a couple of weeks ago. I, was, I think I shared with you a little bit last, last Sunday that I, I was complaining to Lynn that I was disappointed about some things and, and I was whining and I, I, she could tell I had a bad attitude and she said, you know what, you need to go have a God moment. And I remember going upstairs into the bedroom and I lay down on the bed and I said, God, we got to have it out. And by the time I was done, I had to do some confessing. I had to deal with some of these things. And maybe the expectations are realistic, but the point was I wasn't handling my disappointment very well. So I needed to be more honest with myself and maybe I needed to repent of some things. I needed to confess some things. So handling disappointment, we've got to start with truth. We've got to be honest. You know, um, I was just blogging last night, and, and I was um, talking about this same issue. And I think for a lot of times, it, it, it's a lot of our expectations we think are obvious to us, but they're oblivious to the person, right? And so what happens is if we don't verbalize those expectations and our disappointment, they just go on their merry way, and they're clueless. We're the ones that are hurting. But if we don't sometimes express our disappointment and or and our expectations in a godly way, we'll never know. So that's the point, being truthful in love. Okay, let's look at the love side of this. 1 Corinthians 13.4, many of you could probably quote, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It's not self-seeking. In verse 7 it says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You're saying, no matter... How many times you've been disappointed, you still got to keep loving that person. You, you, you got you to persevere and you, you want to be hopeful. And, and I think about Joseph and, and we're going to see next week again how he was able to look at the whole picture, the big picture of what God was doing. And I really believe and honestly that that's how he kept his faith, how he kept persevering, how he kept being hopeful, how he kept hanging in there. But we're going to get to that next week. So he also says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, what's interesting is sometimes when people continually disappoint us, it's easy for us to kind of give up and to quit trusting people. 
But it's really critical that we need to hang in there. I look at Joseph here and he hung in for two more years in this dirty, dark prison until he was finally released. Joseph persevered through all this disappointment. In fact, if you follow his life a little bit, it had been 20 years since he was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Two decades, this young man just hung in there, whether it was in prison or in Potiphar's world or whatever, he hung in there until his brothers returned during the famine, which we're going to look at next week as well. So Joseph somehow had to come to grips with forgiveness because our role in any disappointment is to forgive, amen? We've got to do that. So when the brothers actually show up in Joseph's life again, they had already been forgiven by Joseph. And so we need to learn how to forgive in those disappointments. Now, I will say this. There are times where somebody has been so disappointing for such a long period of time where there's been virtually no reliability, then perhaps sometime we need to at least set some boundaries with that person so that we don't continually invoke a relationship of disappointment and codependence where we have to kind of walk away. Still love them, still have hope, still persevere, but you may need to create some distance. So love is such an important key component when it comes to dealing with our disappointments. I know we have a, a, a person in our family that's been a real disappointment lately, and it's been so hard. There's been days where I've been frustrated, and I, I get upset, and I'll text this person, and I'll just kind of give him a piece of my mind, and then I realize that was dumb. You know, did that really help things at all? And then I back off and then I pray for them and I encourage them and I try to love on them and persevere, but it's, it's just really hard. But that's the way life is. So my question to you this morning is this. Who has recently been a disappointment to you? I bet there's some people in this room this morning that have been disappointed by Christians and it took you a long, long time to just recover from all of that because you say, if that's a Christian, then I don't want that. And I've been so disappointed, I've been so dis- discouraged because I had higher expectations of that person because they called themselves a Christian and they didn't, they didn't follow through or they were hypocritical. And I bet some of you have been disappointed by that over your st- stages of your life. But the question I would have for you this morning, who has recently disappointed you? It might be a husband, a wife, a, a, one of your kids, one of your grandkids. It might be a, a boss, a neighbor, somebody in your life who's recently disappointed you. My question that you need to respond then is, was that person completely aware of my expectations? Did they know I even had expectations? And then obviously the second question, considering all the variables, do you think that person saw your expectations as being realistic? Have you been able to sit down and think through in a healthy way to say, you know, looking at that person and their hard wiring and the way their makeup was, their background, their, their relationships, all the things that are going on in their life, was, was that expectation realistic? Because maybe I've created too much distance between my expectations and the reality. And maybe I need to back off a little bit. Maybe I need to cut some slack. Or maybe I need to go to that person and say, you know what, I, I've been really disappointed in you and it's really been hurtful. I just want you to know that. I still love you. I'm still hanging in there with you, but I just, you just need to know. Or maybe some of you in the room this morning have allowed the disappointments to just pile up in your life. 
And you've not really dealt with them in an honest way. You've never spoken the truth and love to yourself. You've never really opened up your heart and mind and saying, you know, what are these doing to me? Are they creating a cynicism, an anger, a frustration? And maybe I need to get alone with God and have it out with him like I did a couple of weeks ago. And be able to say, you know what, God, I, I, I really have responded wrongly. And I, I've allowed these things to build up. And I've gotten angry. I've gotten frustrated. I felt disrespected. And I've really badmouthed this person. And I've really struggled with this. And God, I need to surrender this to you one more time. Can you still treat that person with compassion and kindness? I look at Joseph's life, and I just am thankful for this young man who really had to deal with a lot of disappointments. But so do we, don't we? And by the way, have you disappointed anyone lately? Let's pray for a minute. Lord, um, I know this was a short message, but I know I'm done, but there's a lot of undone disappointments in this room. And God, I pray that as we're silently just kind of thinking and contemplating, that you would bring to mind the disappointment, most recent one in our lives, and that we would just kind of reflect and think through how we've handled that. Whether we need to confess it, whether we need to confront it, but we do know, Lord, we need to be truthful and in love on both ends of the stick. God, thanks for stretching us. If we weren't stretched, we'd never depend on you. Maybe there's somebody this morning that You know, you've recently been deeply disappointed in somebody in your life, and it's been hard. It's been really hard for you. And you just need prayer. And if you you feel like you need that, I'd like to pray for you right now. Would you just lift your hand up? I'd just love to, to pray for you. You've been disappointed by people. Oh, many. Father, um, Disappointments are reality in life. We've all disappointed people and people have disappointed us. But God, right now there's a bunch of folks here who are maybe battling with that somewhat. God, I pray that they would take this message to heart and to meditate on it, think through it. And if there needs to be a a change of expectations or there needs to be a, a confession or there needs to be perhaps a a loving confrontation. God, I don't don't know what you want for them, but you do. And I pray that they're just open enough to hear what you have to say and to be obedient to it. Thanks for a guy like Joseph who just seemed to, to model this patience and perseverance and compassion and just seemed to keep bouncing back to you, God. Thanks for stretching us. It's no fun sometimes, but you're still on the throne, and we claim that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.